As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Into the summer break for MotoGP 2022 means the teams have gone home to refresh Riders have the Instagram stories full of sunshine, swimming pools and motocross training. But we have the first of our holiday podcasts here covering other angles. And the first of those is going to be an in-depth chat with Remy Gardner from KTM Tech 3. Simon Patterson and Valentin Harunshi caught up with the Aussie. Simon, where was Remy in the world when you caught up with him? Uh, believe it or not, when we caught up with Remy, he was uh, in his car on the way to a golf course to play a round of golf because that's the sort of thing that even uh, you know young MotoGP riders do during the summer break, it turns out. Um, he was cruising along as a passenger in the car uh, somewhere in Spain. We didn't ex- ask exactly where, but he was very kind to give us uh, almost an hour of his time, actually. The wonders of technology, 4G and 5G. Uh, Val, what were you looking forward the most with this chat? Yeah, so honestly, Remy was basically a no-brainer choice when he decided he wanted to have a rider on the show. Ren Gardner was the, the first choice because he's been... Um, I know Simon obviously knows him for a bit longer than I do as a character, but he's been a, a massive surprise to me this season in terms of how how open and opinionated he is and how thought out his 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 words are and how willing he is to to engage on various topics and wear his heart in his sleeve which you know we all thought would be good podcast material and i i believe so it's proven okay so headphones on sit back uh wind the window up maybe you're on an airplane or in a car or taking the dog for a walk so here is the chat with remy gardner Hey Remy, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good man, enjoying enjoying this uh, hardened holidays. I, I feel a little bit, I feel a little bit bad dragging you into the podcast, saying that the last thing you told us in your debrief was that all you wanted was two weeks without motorbikes. Yeah, yeah, right, riding motorbikes, riding motorbikes. But uh, actually, I'm on the way to play some golf, so uh, nice and relaxing day ahead. So are you you officially on your vacation yet? No, no work, no nothing, no. At the moment, no. This week, I've just done nothing. Just been playing around with the cars, and uh, next week, I'll I'll start to get back into it a bit. A week on from from Assen, how you how you feeling about your first half of the season? Um, yeah, it's been for sure a challenge, uh, task, quite challenging. You know, um, learned a lot, that's for sure, and uh, definitely expected a little bit more. But you know. I think uh, towards the end, I was pretty happy with the progress we were making, to be honest. And, um, you know, I think, you know, being the GP class is just so much to learn. And, you know, um, yeah, I think, you know, the the second half of the first half, let's say, (laughs) um, I was quite positive, I think. And I think we, you know, turned turned things around a little bit. And, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can, you know, go even make even more of a step in in the second half of the season you know, with, with the way we're going. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with the the end of, 
of the first half. But yeah, it's definitely been a challenging one. Has it been more challenging than expected? Because obviously we, we know that this year's KTM is a bit of a harder bike to ride, I think, than we expected. Yeah. Um, you know, has that sort of did I, I know loads of riders will never say whether or not they, they set themselves expectations for the start of the season. They like to keep that secret from us, but I'm sure you all do it anyway. So, you know, has the has the two lined up or has there been a bit of a gap between them? Yeah. I mean, for sure, I think my expectation was to, you know, try to fight to be the rookie of the year. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, I think there was a little bit more expectation. Um I think, uh, yeah, everyone's made such a step, you know, with the rider, like the, the, the level of riders this year as well, and the manufacturers, everyone's made an amazing step, and and uh, KTM has as well. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think it takes maybe a little bit more time to get used to the KTM, but, you know, I feel like we're starting to figure it out, um, and we just keep working hard with them, and, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll arrive, but, yeah, definitely not, you know, not where we, where I thought I'd be, to be honest. But uh, you know, just got to keep our head down, keep working, keep trying, and 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 believe in in the project. Uh, this is a this is a slightly presumptuous question because obviously you you've graduated as the Moto Two champion. Yeah. But I I don't think I don't think you you'd find it unfair, for instance, for me to say that there maybe was more buzz about Raúl just because of his rookie status coming into coming into Moto GP and just how good his rookie Moto Two season was. Yeah. So in in that light, is it is it nice to coming into Moto GP on a like and it being a level playing field, you both rookies, and more or less having him covered, or at least like being either there or thereabouts or even better. Has that been has that been pleasant or not really something? Yeah, I think I think you know the first always. I think you know. Uh, in every type of racing, you know, the first person you got to beat is your teammate. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's been good that you know I can you know challenge him and and um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the second half of the season, I've been pretty much in front of him the whole time, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not really looking too much at Raúl um, because the factory boys are you know a bit further up, and that's kind of where we want to be. So. Um, you know, I, I mean, my main objective is kind of looking at the factory boys and, and learning from them and, and trying to pick up their speed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nice to, I think also it's nice to have Raul in the team, you know. Uh, I think we've got not not the same style, but there's always something that I can learn from Raul, which is nice. Um, even on the GP bike, even Moto2 last year. And, and uh, yeah, for me, it's good to have Raul in the team this year and, and uh, and like you said, I think. Uh, well, like I said before, I think the first person you got to beat is your teammate. <laughs> Obviously, um, Raúl, I think a few times this year has been. We've sort of seen some quite visible frustration from him. We've seen him pretty upset or pretty angry with the KTM project and where things have been or not been. But you seem to take it a bit more in your stride. Do you think like that's just? That's the maturity you've got from being a few years older than him. That's the the big advantage you have over him. Um. Yeah. I mean. I think. I think. Uh, you know. I, yeah. Like you said, I've got the experience. Um. I've been in Moto Two for a few years. You know. I, I had my tough years in Moto Two as well. Um. You know. I did a. You know. A few years. Where it looks like nothing was ever going to happen. Um. And I think taking that experience of just fighting and never giving up and just believing in, in yourself and the people around you, I think uh, I learned to do that quite well. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's kind of, you know, helping now as well. And, you know, I believe, you know, that KTM's given us this opportunity and I think we should try and make the most of it, you know. Um, you know, they believed in us, so I think we should, you know, show the – the respect and, and believe in them and, and just give, you know, a hundred percent. And, and I think, yeah, maybe that maturity of just, you know, getting the best out of what we got, never giving up. And, and, you know, that, that fighting spirit maybe is, you know, that reason why, but, you know, we seem to be doing a little bit better than Raul at the moment. I'm not actually fully sure I agree with Simon because I think there have been episodes uh, this year where you've, you, I wouldn't say been explosive, but you've been, like you, you've worn your heart in your sleeve, and at those at those parts, your heart was hurting a bit. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. There's, yeah, there's been moments, you know, straight after race when I did the debriefs, you know, that's, uh, it's, you know, it, it hurts sometimes, you know, you're giving your, your maximum and, you know, you just, you don't have the result that you all expected and you worked hard all weekend and, and it just doesn't go to plan on a Sunday. And yeah, it, it, it hurts sometimes. And obviously it's, it's easy to get, you know, words out of our mouths when we're, you know, quite frustrated, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, I wouldn't take it too too seriously. The words that come out of our mouths as soon as we take the helmets off. But yeah, like I said, uh, like you said, actually, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I always try to do my best, and and uh, I give everything all the time. You know, I always give one hundred percent. Those words that come out like immediately after the race. Does it bother you that they turn into into headlines right away? Especially now that you're in MotoGP. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, something that I had to learn for sure. Um, yeah, like you said, you know, um, it might even not be so bad what you said, but you know, it gets blown up into to big headlines and and it doesn't look good. So um, yeah, it's something that I had to learn. You really just got to keep your mouth shut, you know, and and if you want to say shit about anything, you just go into the truck and start smashing stuff <laughs> where nobody can see you. <laughs> But uh, your biggest problem, I mean, you need to move your media debriefs so that not the very first one after uh, yeah. end of the day sessions finish. You need to you need to go at like five thirty. To to <laughs> talk to Matilda about it, please. <laughs> how how have things been with the media this year? Um, because I think it's probably fair to say that you get more attention as a a MotoGP rookie than you do as a Moto Two World Champion, probably. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I mean, last year. I was starting to get it, you know, a little bit for sure. Um, it was a bit easier to manage because everything was a bit more rosy, let's say. Um, but yeah, uh, there's definitely, you know, we didn't have the debriefs and, and, uh, lots of interviews always on Thursday. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of media stuff, so you got to be on your best behavior all the time. <laughs> but there's, there's also like, like you say, obviously, uh, sometimes people will be, out to headlineize your words and that's you know that's not so good and maybe we've even be, been guilty of that too obviously you know yeah. the job's the job but um no exactly exactly but it, it's important to also like and something you've done really really well is not not be boring project an earnestness yeah. and I, I i think yeah. even if you've done some sort of correction it, it feels like you've either it feels like you understand that you need to you need to remain engaging. Would that would that be fair to say? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you have to, you know, obviously give a little bit of you know uh, an insight of what's going on. Let's say, yeah. um, you know, you can't just say, yeah, it's great, everything's great, <laughs> you know, and that's it. Um, <clears throat> it's obviously, be, you know, very political how you do it. Um, yeah, you know, you got to keep everyone happy and. And, uh, yeah, I think it's nice that, you know, we do have the opportunity to speak to you guys and, you know, kind of let people in a little bit of, of, like I said, what's going on and, um, and how we're looking to improve and, and things like that. But, yeah, like you said, it's very important to, to keep people engaged. Is there much media training? Um, like, the, I, like is, is that a specific thing you're having to, to do at any point in Moto2 and MotoGP? No, nah, not really. Um, I mean, I have been doing, you know, interviews and and been on tvs and stuff since a very young age so i think you know most of us by the time we get to MotoGP, we're pretty uh we're pretty much used to it so yeah yeah there's a lot of the guys that you race against without being too offensive to them who tend to be quite flat in their debrief sessions yeah uh, yours are yours are a lot different and there's a reason why it was you specifically that we asked to come in the podcast with us because we, yeah. we know that you're a bit more willing to speak your mind do yeah. you think maybe part of the reason for that is that a lot of these guys grew up through like the younger guys grew up through like talent programs and academy programs and you grew up the son of a loud sweary aussie two-stroke <laughs> riding dad <laughs> um yeah Slightly different know. role models yeah i don't know I, I mean i'm not sure if that i'm not sure i think it could more just be my personality maybe i think uh you know, I like to just go to the facts and, and, you know, not, you know, not talk too much bullshit. And, uh, yeah, I think just say things as they are. Um, I don't think, 
that, you know, Wayne had too much of an influence and well, maybe a little bit as he definitely speaks his mind, maybe a bit too much. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's more of a personality thing, uh, more than anything. I mean, even outside, outside of an interview is, I'm, I'm the same. So. <laughs> Before I go into the big one, I just couldn't help but notice you, you call him Wayne. Yeah. Well, dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I just, you know, uh, it's cool if you if you if you call your dad Wayne. That's yeah. a lot of people. I think would like to call Wayne Gardner Wayne. Yeah. So I think that's an Aussie thing. Yeah, um, Remy, I call I remember- Wayne off. Wayne off. <laughs> that Wayne off. <laughs> I remember during the season, and as you've mentioned, your your path to MotoGP has been a, a long and complicated one, which is why yeah. I think I was. Like there's the impression that you once you've made to MotoGP, you you've made it and you will do everything to stay. And I remember, and it might have been just the emotions talking, but I remember after one of the races where you were, and your future was being discussed, and you've very openly floated the idea of going to to World Superbikes and being like, well, if that's yeah. what I have to do next, then so be it. And I just that really surprised me because most guys in in your paddock are desperate to hang on at any cost. So w- would you say that was frustration talking or is, is that generally something that like like you accept what comes and if it comes outside of MotoGP, then you accept that too? Yeah, I think it was uh, it was a bit of heat at the moment. <clears throat> I just uh, I just crashed um, out of Le Mans. I yeah. got taken out by DJI. I was frustrated because it was actually being a really good race and I was just, you know, like I said, wearing my heart on my sleeve all the time, just giving my absolute all and I'd you know, I hit the grip, the deck hard. I was sore. I was sick of it. I wanted to go home. And I think, yeah, um, just a bit of frustration. I mean, my, my future was unclear at that point. It still is a little bit unclear, but, uh, you know, I just said, look, if there's no other option, then that's it. I'll have to get super bikes. Um, and I mean, if, if that, what, if that's what it does come to, I hope it doesn't, like you said, we all fight to, you know, stay in the MotoGP paddock because it is the dream of everyone. Um, but I mean, if, if that is what it comes to, then I guess then we'll have to start looking there, but, uh, it's, uh, hopefully very last, uh, last ditch effort, you know, um, you know, as the, as the goal is to stay in the MotoGP. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Uh, you, you've mentioned hurting at, uh, after Le Mans. How's, like, you've had a few injuries and a few big hits. How's your body yeah. doing right now after this half season? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit better. Luckily, I haven't had too many crashes <laughs> after, after Le Mans, I think, yet. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit better. I mean, I got all my scars and stuff from where I've been skinning myself all pretty much healed up. And, um, yeah, feeling a little bit better physically, which is good. Um, hopefully we can keep it that way. <laughs> but, wrist uh, okay? Yeah, the wrist is it's not not bad to be honest. On the bike, it doesn't give me too much trouble. Um, I'll be honest. When I'm mechanicing, sometimes and I got to get a screw or something in an awkward position, sometimes <laughs> turning the wrist might hurt a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean everything always hurts a little bit after so many injuries, but uh, you get used to it. So I, I I can't say it's too bad at the moment. Looking back on this start of the season in particular the sort of the first few races how much of a a, a hindrance was the wrist because I remember sort of every week you were like oh, I'm not really sure if it's getting better it's hard to gauge it's hard to tell how much it's slowing me down but can you sort of look back now and see what it did do to the start of the season for you yeah I think um 
I think at the beginning of the season, it was, it was definitely, you know, a bit of a problem for me. It was quite sore. I think after really Jerez, you know, Jerez, Portugal Jerez, it was kind of getting better. Um, it was kind of not too bad. Um, yeah, I think um, what it did do probably slowed down a little bit the, the progression on the bike at the beginning and start of the year, especially testing and all of that um, where it was really sore. Um, testing and, and, you know, first races, you know, that was probably the, the worst part. Um, yeah, like I said, I probably slowed down a little bit the, the progression in the beginning. Um, maybe we would have got to where I'm at now, you know, a few races before. But um, anyway. You can't really look at it too much like that. You know what it is, is, is what it was, it has been in the past, and just got to move on and and try to get better. You mentioned something, so I have to ask about it now. Um, you've got a completely different hobby from most motorbike racers that don't even know how to change the wheel on their own bike. Um, tell us a little. You said mentioned about mechanic and cars. Tell us a little bit more about sort of the free time and what you get up to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I got yeah, basically a few old cars, and um, I like to wrench on them. And yeah, I got uh, well, my first car actually ever ever I bought when I was nineteen, just after, straight after I got my license, was a Volvo Amazon from nineteen sixty nine. And uh, I didn't have brakes and it was full of rust and, you know, didn't have this inspection. Anyway, I, in about a week, I put it all back together and managed to adapt some a few parts and drove that around for a year. And, uh, yeah, I had super fun in it. And, um, yeah, kind of got bored with the, the horsepower it had. It's almighty 90 horsepower and said, all right, let's put a different engine in it. <laughs> yeah, what I didn't know was it's uh, not such an easy task just putting another engine. In. So, uh, yeah, it's been three years on that thing. And uh, finally got it all running and painted, and it's all beautiful now, with 400 horsepower. From uh, it's got a Mitsubishi Evo engine in it, so gone from 90 horsepower to 400. So it's not too bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and between all that, I also bought an Alfa Romeo from 1972, a GTV, uh, which I redid the engine and gearbox on. And now I've got a Volvo 740 drift car as well, which I'm currently changing turbos and putting a bunch of stuff in that. So I've got a few toys that I like to wrench on and, and have fun with in, in my, in my, uh, in my free time, which is, yeah, not really, you know, relaxing, but to me it is relaxing. <laughs> there's a, there's something about Volvo Amazons and slightly unconventional motorbike racers, I think, because when I was 16, before I even had my license, Guy Martin once tried to sell me, a black Volvo Amazon that he had red red uh, flames on it and a leopard skin interior. <laughs> With the wagon, no? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the wagon. They're cool. The combi, the combi wagon. They're uh, they're cool. I don't know. I, I like it. But doesn't he have a... Uh volvo combi with like a ferrari engine or something in it or? yeah he's got something insane now that's yeah know, that's pretty cool. he's got a whole collection of stuff there's loads of guy martin buys stupid car stories <laughs> yeah i've got uh, i've got a few stupid cars as well so <laughs> I'm, I'm going down that path <laughs> you're going historical rallying anytime soon remy um that is an idea actually so the the alfa romeo is uh is actually you know, a race car basically. And yeah. uh, it's got a roll cage and buckets and it's got a reinforced chassis and a cool engine. So that is kind of the idea to go and do like a historical rally with, with my girlfriend. Um, mm. as, and she'll be the navigator. I don't know how that's, that's cool. going to end up. I'll probably end up in an <laughs> argument. But, but, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was the idea. Um, we have done a few track days with the Alpha. Even Clara drove the car, which was funny, and she spun out a few times, which was not so funny. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's the idea. Um, is to go on. The problem is free time at the moment, to be honest. But you know, with the calendar we got, but yeah, hopefully one day we can get to one of those historical rallies. Is that difficult to clear with with KTM and Tech Three? And um, I think I do have to ask permission if I do that. So. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I think they're pretty cool with that, so it shouldn't be shouldn't be a problem. There's a there's a historic class at the Monza Rally Show, you know, nice December timeline. You get to drive around the bank in Monza, the Love and Alpha in Italy. Yeah, that, that that sounds actually pretty good. I mean, I know lots of guys do rallies with their classic alphas, especially in Italy. Um, I'm in a group on WhatsApp, so I might ask. They they probably know what's going on. So, <laughs> in December, did you say? Yeah, just after the season finishes. So good timing. I might have a look at that. <laughs> 
Um, you, we, we sort of briefly touched upon future plans. Yeah. And I'm aware that we're in the summer break and that things are maybe still a bit fluid, but is there much you can say about what way next year starting to shape up at least? Um, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, my, my conversations with KTM is, you know, basically I want to, I want to continue and, and it seems like they, they were pretty on board with that as well. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the, you know, what, where, what I'm kind of receiving from them is, is positive for next year. Um, I've made my intentions clear that I'd like to continue. So, um, at the moment, yeah, I think we're just waiting out a little bit, but, uh, hopefully, you know, um, we can make that go through. Uh, Remy, just completely unrelated. Uh, we had a listener and I, I imagine that's a shared sentiment. We had a listener lament the fact that, MotoGP, maybe because of the fact the races are so short, maybe for some other reason, but the TV coverage is very front-focused. So for you guys get into potentially insane duels lap after lap, and because of the timing and because of the broadcast priorities, they don't, they don't really get shown what's going on on yeah. your end. Is that something you, you, you've noticed, thought about, picked up? Is that something maybe you or your team discuss with MotoGP or is that just something that's, you know, accepted as a, as a fact of life or is it not true? Or am I making things up? No, 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 you're right. You're right. Um, I think it's hard for the, for the guys to show everyone. Um, it is a shame because like you said, there are some gnarly battles going on down the back. I mean, Momello was just insane. <laughs> like it was so cool. Like it was just every lap someone was passing someone and, and on the last lap, I mean, I passed two guys in the last lap, um, Frankie and, and Darren. And it was just, it was insane. And Frankie had passed Darren. I passed Frankie. Darren passed us back. It was just all in one lap. And uh, yeah, it was a little, it's a little bit of a shame that they can't show, you know, those, those awesome battles down the back. But it is tough, I think, time-wise and, and, you know, getting everyone. And, and they do have to show the front runners, of course. So it is a little bit difficult. Um, not really sure how they can solve that, and it isn't really a thing that I discuss discuss with the team, to be honest, because it's not really in our control. It's uh, yeah. kind of up to Dorno. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would be nice if they can work out some way to, you know, show a little bit more the the battles raging on further down the pack. D- does it make life harder for you as a rookie because you've got less sort of footage of yourself and you know all of those battles to watch? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, in the end we do have, you know, data and telemetry and, um, you know, we can still follow guys around the track. So it doesn't, I, honestly, I didn't really, I don't really watch the, the, the practices too much to get that much information. <laughs> <laughs> so that's weird actually. Cause that's like, there's guys who are religiously watching the sessions back. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, in Moto2, I'd say yes. In Moto2, I would like to just have a quick look. But honestly, because everyone's got such a different bike, everyone does different things to make their bike happy. And, you know, uh, Yamaha could do one thing that the KTM doesn't do, and the KTM can do one thing that the Yamaha can't do. And, and, and it's kind of like, all right, you can watch these guys, but maybe following them and doing their lines is not the right way to, to make your bike happy, you know, to go fast with your bike. So um, for me, it's a little bit, doesn't not a little bit useless to be honest but what is really good is to have obviously the data of, of Miguel and Brad um and Raul um and compare data that from from the data we we learn more than any than anything so when you when you go into like a post-race debrief and stuff like that is is it like is it mostly data focused or did do onboards also come into play or anything like that or do you have a no there's I mean I, I know KTM actually use onboards to check you know other bikes mm-hmm. um to compare the ktm with other bikes i know i know they do that um but yeah i mean i i race debrief is kind of like a, or a session debrief i tell them my feelings what's going on what we need to do tire wise blah 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 all that stuff i'll get changed come back and then we'll sit down and go through data reassure the comments have a look where i can ride better uh if i can brake differently more rear brake front brake blah 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 basically you can see everything of, of what they're doing and and um and analyze how they're going that fast, which is good for me. That's, that's the most important thing. You, um, so I guess you don't have a huge amount prior to this year of development experience, apart from maybe a bit working with Calyx and in, in Moto2, but you've got an engineer's brain, like we've already talked yeah. about. 
has that helped coming in? Does that mean, you know, you can give feedback that's more sort of on point for what KTM need? Because, it, you know, it's obvious that the project is ongoing and there's still loads yeah. of development to do. And- um, yeah, I think, uh, I think the way I feel the bike is pretty good. Um, you know, I think I can kind of relate comments to actually what's really going on. Um, I think many of my comments, let's say, you can see, I say something and then, and then they can see it in the data, which is, I think, quite important. Um, having the engineering mind is a good and a bad thing. Like I think we said before, you know, um, I did used to get involved in setup and, and, you know, what's going on on the bike. But, yeah, um, you go crazy, you know, because um, you're out on the bike thinking about setup more than actually riding the bike. So, in the end, I just forget about it. I ride the bike. I come in. I tell the guys what I feel and it's up to them. <laughs> to make the changes that that need to be made i think there's some guys who aren't like aren't even aware of what the changes are do you do you at least like to be kept like aware or yeah yeah i, I do like to to be kept you know in the loop more or less what are they doing oh no we're changing the right height in the front okay that's it uh not okay no we're gonna go down two and a half milli in the front and drop the pivot in the rear 1.5 so it recompensates the angle in the front you know nothing nothing like that but uh yeah oh no we're gonna do a change on the pivot down on the pivot okay that's it (laughs) for 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 someone that's in a factory like ktm that that's still this you know relatively young project and has a a bike that obviously does need a bit of development at the minute is that like super career enhancing for you do you think being able to you know have a bit of a reputation for, for giving good feedback and for being able to translate things well to the engineers is that you know does that make you different um i hope so yeah i mean hopefully that can you know help out you know like you said ktm in the in the future to obviously point them in the right way i think in the test in Montmelo, we we gained some really valuable de- valuable data especially for having a direction for the future um i think uh maybe for the second half of the year and, and for sure definitely next year um we did test a, a few things, which were stiffness wise. And, and for me, I really felt the difference and I felt like I was, you know, quite able to, to exactly, you know, tell them what's going on, um, which was, which was good. So hopefully, yeah, um, that can really help out, you know, KTM in the future. And, and hopefully I'm giving the right comments as well. So uh, obviously Val and I won't tell anyone if you, if you do tell us, but does that mean we're going to see a few new bits arrive in the second half of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they're working hard. I know they're working hard on, on doing a few changes. Um, yeah. I mean, after the, after the Momelo test, I think it was, there was nothing really outstanding, um, but we did a lot of testing on a lot of parts um, between the four of us. And uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if we're going to have it after summer or not, but I know there's something really in the works big coming. So hopefully, I know. I mean, I I know they'll they'll, they'll probably get it right because uh, I can see they're going the right direction. Uh, just a, like uh, also a dev- not really a development question, but a, like a, a training, a preparation question. You you've said how post race debriefs go, but what what I'm interested in is can you describe the process of like the the few days before a race weekend where you show up to a track that you've never done on a MotoGP bike. Like yeah. what exactly do you do? And let's say it's not a back-to-back that you just need to spend the entirety of the yeah relaxing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, at the week of the race, uh, usually I'll train on Monday or Tuesday um, or both days. So I'll ride some trials or enduro. Um, and then Wednesday, you know, obviously traveling to the track. Thursday is uh, setup day, you know, media day. And obviously do the plan for the weekend. On Thursday, I do like to walk the track with, uh, with the team basically and kind of just point out a few areas, what we need to look for, this and that. Um, they can tell me, you know, a few special things with the GP bike or whatever that, you know, maybe stands out. And that's about it. And then get on the bike and just fucking rip the gas, mate. <laughs> so so you, don't, you don't prepare for the, for the specific layout so much? No, 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 not, not really. And, and my training is just uh, the same as usual, just, you know, be as fit as possible <laughs> just um just picking up on the the team and and i guess the whole wider sort of ktm thing from the outside sometimes ktm looks like 
um, trying to find the right way to say this without offending anyone. It, it, it looks very Austrian. Um, it, it, well, you like, offended everyone. <laughs> what's the? What is it actually like? Sort of being inside the KTM thing. Like what? What sort of interaction do you have with the factory riders, with the the big bosses? You know, are there factory engineers in your garage every day listening yeah. to what you're saying too? Yeah. Um. So my relationship with with the other riders is really good. Um, especially Brad. I mean, I live, you know, 50 meters away from Brad. So that's really good. Um, the relationship with KTM is also good. I mean, yeah, I think, I think their, um, their attitude is, you know, they just want to win. And, uh, I think, you know, I, I want the same thing. And I say, guys, we want the same thing. We need to go and win. Um, they expect us to push 100% all the time. Um, which is fair. And I expect a hundred percent from them. Um, and it's, it's good. I mean, you can really feel the passion in, in KTM that, you know, they just, they want to do whatever it takes to get there, um, which is cool. And, and definitely, you know, the way they've been, you know, especially what the things they brought to, to the test, you know, they can see, you can see that, you know, they're not, they're not screwing around here. You know, there's, there's changes coming and, and, uh, and, and basically I told them, I want to win just as bad as you. So I think the, the mutual, uh, the mutual energy to win is, is there. Uh, just recalling a, a video from not so long ago of yourself and Raul having a bit of an argument in the box. And what, 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 what stood out to me is that it was in Spanish, very much in Spanish. <laughs> so what, the, the question that, that comes to my mind is how much of the weekend do you spend speaking English and how much of it do you spend <laughs> speaking, speaking Spanish? Um, it depends who's there, but, uh, right. <laughs> um, probably 50, 50, because, you know, wow. I speak to my girlfriend in, in Spanish. Um, so we speak in Spanish and then if it, my girlfriend's not there, I've got Carmela Morales helping me out, um, which comes as well to the races and we speak in Spanish, so he doesn't speak English. So yeah, it's with Spanish with them and then English with the, the technicians in the box and, and everyone else. But uh, yeah, definitely 50-50. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, being a bilingual person, that's that can be quite difficult, isn't it? When you have to switch between languages on the fly just from personal experience. Yeah, or sometimes yeah. I'll get a bit of like Spanglish going on, you know? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. But uh, honestly, um, I prefer to work in Spanish actually right i like like not like i prefer to tell my comments off the bike in spanish mm -hmm. it's weird i don't know like i feel like in spanish it's a bit more let's say um, emotional with <laughs> 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 more expressions um not sure it's for me you can express yourself a little bit better with the spanish than than in english is kind of like cold and dry let's yeah. say a little bit so, uh, so the English is for the for the setup changes. They tell you what's happened in English, but you tell them what's wrong in Spanish. No, 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 no. I, I no. say what everything's in English in the box. Oh, so. everything's in English. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Because not everyone speaks Spanish, so to keep enough. everyone keep everyone on the same page. It's it's English. So, um, but in the past, I have worked in Spanish. Uh, in Stop and Go, for example, it was in Spanish um, mm -hmm. because everyone spoke Spanish there, and uh, I I did enjoy working in Spanish, to be honest. Speaking of sort of emotional Spanish being spoken, um, we did. We all saw the video of you and Raúl, and I think it, so. It's one of those weird things that I see being in the paddock. Um, people on TV or people at home watching on TV build perceptions based on like the few seconds yeah. of video they see of you guys interacting. But I know that that's yeah. not the relationship that you and Raúl have because I see you together in the no. weekends. Um, so, what is the relationship with them like? What what? you know, how do you get on with them? Sort of tell us a bit about that. Cause, cause I think it is different from what everyone thinks. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is a little bit of a shame that, uh, you know, that MotoGP did put that video out. Um, cause it, it isn't really, you know, the relationship we have, like I said before, it's easier. It's, it's so easy for us to, to, to take the helmet off and just, you know, come off the bike super, um, you know, jacked up on adrenaline and, and angry that something didn't go right. And, it's kind of not, it's not fair to be honest to, you know, to be doing that. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you put, if you put, I think Bethel said it, if you put microphones on football, you know, I'm telling you right now, and they don't, they don't say a, a single nice word out on the pitch. And it's, it's a little bit, you know, unfair, you know, that they build this perception of us, you know, that, 
they get us in in the heat of the moment. Um, and like you said, you know, I have a really good relationship with Roll, and and actually after that. After that, after he came and screamed at me, you know, about 20 minutes after, you know, he came and he said that he was really sorry and, you know, he didn't, he, he feels bad that, that, that he yelled like that. And I said, no, it's okay. And I said, I'm sorry if you're, you know, getting in your way. I really didn't do it on purpose. You know me. I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys. Um, and it was all in the past, you know, and, you know, we, should, you know, hugged it out and all good and, and move on. Um, but it's like you said, um, I think everyone builds a perception just on a few seconds of video and, and, and I just don't think that's fair. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's the way it is. That's why I said you got to be on your best behavior all the time. <laughs> Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best. And that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable and works in a range of social and professional settings. Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and Gold Fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the Commuter Collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The Commuter Collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. I don't know if it's something particularly unique to MotoGP or if it's just a, a thing that sports do, but you're you're not the first person recently to have sort of criticised the way that that happens, the way that video clips have, are chopped up or, you know, um, Jonathan Ray gave some pretty strong words recently as well about the way that some things were presented by Dorna. Yeah. Um, does that mean that you do, like, do you consciously think about that? Like, is that something that even when you are fired up on adrenaline or is that, does the adrenaline take over and then you're just left to deal with the consequences afterwards? Um, I kind of, I think it depends on the situation, but, I'm pretty good now with, you know, not getting it too out of control, let's say. Um, for sure, I'm, you know, I'll probably be a little bit angry and, you know, might say a few things that aren't nice, but, you know, I'm not going to be screaming and throwing stuff. Um, I did that when I was a kid and uh, learned, you know, how to control myself and and just keep calm, you know, just breathe and just, you know, life goes on, you know, <laughs> that's it. Learn to do it in the back of the truck where we exactly. can see you. Or you go into the truck and you smash the shit out of stuff where no one can see you. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we're, we're all professional riders and I think we have to act professional as well. And, um, and like I said, we've all got experience and we've been doing it for a few years. So I think, uh, you know, I think we need to at least have the, the ability to, you know, keep more or less calm. <laughs> kind of relevant stupid thing that i've always wondered you've mentioned the footballer's microphone and obviously the language you'll hear in that game is if you were if you were micked up during a MotoGP race do you stay quiet because you're so focused or do you like yes yeah so no you don't swear coming into every corner because that's what i would no no no. okay no i I, no it would be for me that would be really hard for me to use a microphone because you're so concentrated like honestly if the guys are talking to me, the only thing you get you'd get from me is shut the fuck up. <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> like, like the Kimmy Rankin and the GP. Let me do my job. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. That that makes sense because it's but it's also just like I I remember myself when I'm concentrated on some task. Sometimes I'll just I'll just be yeah. swearing away without noticing, just sitting there like. Well, you know, you, you get it. But MotoGP, yeah, yeah. riding a MotoGP bike is probably a bit harder in terms of... Yeah, terms yeah, of no, there's no there's no talking ever yeah. um, underneath the helmet. When I finish a race, maybe, after a good result or something, but that's about it. What um, What's the best race this year that we've not seen? I think Momello. 
that was an amazing, amazing race, really. Yeah. Um, I got off the bike, even if I didn't get a good result, I would have just had so much fun, you know, even if I, if, you know, the three guys beat me to the line, it was just, it was nice to be, you know, in the mix fighting. And I really enjoyed that race, to be honest. Is there a, like a, this is a, again, it's sort of a weird question. I'm on a weird roll today. Do you feel like there's a MotoGP rider fraternity of sorts? Do you feel like you've had closer relationships with people this year and like, I don't know, there's like a community or is there, is everyone way too busy to, to make friends? Um, yeah, I think everyone's a bit busy to be honest, um, to yeah. make friends. I think, um, what is a little bit kind of like that is where we live. Um, cause we all, most of us live, you know, in, within, you know, a hundred meters, um, radius, like we all live yeah. in the same streets basically. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes we hang out up in Andorra, we'll go trials riding or whatever and we'll play golf or whatever. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, there's a bit more of, yeah, like you said, that fraternity, I think more because of where we live and, you know, our days off are pretty much the same. So, <laughs> yeah. I, that always amazes me. Like, I spend a fair bit of time in Andorra and I kind of got a, a rough idea of the geography, but you guys, like, literally live i think there must be what eight riders within like 100 meters of each other yeah 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 and yeah, i did yeah, an literally. interview f- did an interview a few weeks ago with uh Aleish, and he, yeah. he was talking about how you know he's fighting for a championship against fabio quadraro and if yeah. he happens to be outside the house playing with his kids and fabio drives past he jumps out of the car and he comes and like sort of awkwardly joins in and playing with the kids and stuff like that which yeah, is just yeah. i can't think of many other sports where like the two main protagonists would have a relationship like that it yeah. does it does it make it easier or more difficult all being on top of each other like how does that work whenever then you do have to you know stick the elbow into someone yeah um i think it's all rosy until you have to uh do that you know and until you have to really you know be a bastard out on track and when you're fighting for a championship uh, it can get ugly so we'll see i mean we'll see how long that relationship lasts like that but um yeah i mean if you got no uh real you know um direct competitor that's living right next to you then uh it's pretty much all good but um yeah i don't know for me it doesn't really change too much i'm still gonna still gonna do what i have to on the track and i'm sure they would as well so there's not been any awkward like Tuesday morning taking out the bins and kind of something. No, 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 no. At the moment, no. <laughs> Maybe in the future, but at the moment, it's all good. I'm, I'm cool with everyone. I remember. So there was a bit of a furore when uh, Romano Fnati got axed in, in Moto Two, and there yep. was a, a, a lot of talk among MotoGP riders about wanting more protection, basically, etc. Yeah. Um, I don't like. I don't imagine that's resolved yet, or going to be resolved anytime soon. What you guys exactly want? Yeah. But do you feel? Do you feel the need for like a more united front or a formalized representation? If that makes sense, like F1's Grand Prix Drivers Association and stuff like that. Would you? Would yeah. you go up for election if there was one? Well, me as the president. Yeah. Sure. Well, no, one is one of the is one of the directors. Yeah. Um, George Russell. Yeah. George Russell is a director of the F1 version. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's a, a, you know, a a very good idea. I do feel the same that, you know, we do need more protection for the riders. Um, everyone's got protection except us. And, uh, I know that, you know, I was in the safety commissions where it was spoken and, and Mark as well was the first one to bring it up about minimum wages. Um, I think, um, maybe he's doing that, you know, I think, well, I, I think he's maybe said that because I, he feels that, you know, we do finish our careers quite, you know, bashed up. up. Yeah. yeah. We're basically mutilated when we finished and, and to, you know, take care of ourselves for the rest of the lives, you know, without education, without having studies or anything like that, you know, to sacrifice going racing. Obviously we need to have some sort of, you know, a, a, a cushion that we can take care of ourselves. Um, Cause we do need physios every week, basically um and uh you know just to keep the pain away so yeah i think 
it's extremely good that Mark brought that up and, you know, it was on my mind a little bit as well. And I know Juan Mir even made a comment about it as well. And, and we were all pretty much, you know, together with that. Um, the next step is how to do it. Um, what do we do? Uh, also, as having protection against, you know, um, the contract as well for, for, for our sake, um, plus minimum wages. And basically, I think if you're in MotoGP, you know, you're one of the best in the world and you deserve to, you know, I think get, get what, you, what you've earned and, and, and all the money and, and sacrifice that you've had to make to get there, I think anything else than, than more than anything else. So, yeah, hopefully it can become a thing in the future, um, but why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it needs to be talked over, you know, with all the riders in one room and, and basically I think it would need a, an external um, representation, you know, an external lawyer or something that basically uh, takes care of it, the whole thing. But yeah, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, if it's going to happen. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. Oh, Remy, very, very nice, very thought out answer that I completely agree with. But you did the word you used. It, it makes me wonder the word mutilated. It makes me wonder yeah. whether that's weighing on your mind that once you're done with this career, uh, a lot of normal everyday life is could be quite painful is that is that yeah. is that something you're you're thinking about yeah for sure for sure i mean even right now for me you know it's you know i get out of bed sometimes and it's like it takes me a few steps just to get my legs going you know um yeah on a rainy day my ankles hurt you know my wrist is always sore you know when i'm you know just doing normal things just wrenching on my car you know it's like ah my wrist you know yeah. and and uh and i'm not even you know i'm halfway through my career right now so um yeah it's it's yeah when i when i finish and obviously i think when you stop it's going to be worse you know um because you stop being an athlete and and like i said you need physio you need people to take care of you and that costs money and and uh and we've like i said we can't we've given up education we've given up schooling we've given up everything as a as a young uh, you know, young teens yeah. to, to go on race motorbikes. And I think, you know, if you do make it to MotoGP, at least, you know, deserve to have something at least in, in the bank to sort of take care of yourself for the rest of your life. Um, and yeah, I think Mark is feeling it now more than ever, obviously with his, his arm injury. And he said he's nobody to, to talk because he's getting paid more than anyone. But I think he, he feels the right that in, I think he feels the need maybe to, to fight for for us guys mm -hmm. so yeah like i said i think uh, that's that's the main thing um basically is is yeah obviously have enough you know in the bank to take care of ourselves in the future because we will be living in pain pretty much for the rest of our lives so yeah um hopefully it can be it can be done in the future what if you can even remember um what have you broken and what have you had operated on over the years Man, what I've broken, I can't even tell you. Like, just a ridiculous amount. Yeah, like a ridiculous amount of bones. I'd say probably over, I'd say broken bones uh, or, or fractured bones over, I'd say over 35, 40. Um, yeah, like just hands and fingers and toes and even fingernails. You know, how many times I've lost fingernails and um operations i've had uh, i've done my ankle in yeah i did my ankle my fibia that was two operate that was two operations to get the plate out because it was infected so that was a big disaster then i broke my legs both of them one was open fracture so my tibia was sticking out of my out of the skin that was the both and then also i broke my tibia on my right as well and fibia again so that was a big operation that was a big big that was the worst of my life um didn't know if I was coming back from that one, but managed to come back. That was a big one. So I had two operations, one to get the steel in, one to get it out. I did, what else have I done? I've done my left thumb. I got an operation with a plate um, with six screws. Uh, did my wrist in January with, a big, with two screws for the for the radial, uh, whatever it's called, the ulna, no, uh, whatever it is, the wrist. <laughs> and bones just countless endless bones ribs probably i don't know six or seven ribs over my lifetime pretty much all my fingers i've done tendons in my thumbs and my hand my hands as well i've broken the metacarpals metatarsals toes um 
yeah, all my feet, basically, you know, most of those metacarpals or whatever they're called. Collarbone, I've done on my right collarbone. And I have broken my arm actually a long time ago when I raced in the CV. I broke my arm, basically snapped, you know, my arm in half, but managed to pull it straight and I didn't need to get an operation. So just, yeah, and endless, endless, endless injuries. Oh, we're going to have to put a disclaimer in front of that because that was... Yeah, that was that made me squeamish quite a bit because I've broken nothing in my life. Um, how does it feel to lose a fingernail? Yeah, um, I've done so. I did. I think I did my. I did my left. Was it ring finger? I think I broken that one maybe like three times, and now it's like pointing to the left, basically. <laughs> um, and the fingernail, I've lost that one as well, like three times. Um, it basically. Uh, you know, when you go down or something and it gets trapped under the handlebar, it just goes black. So after a few weeks, oh it kind of just like peels off and, and basically I just pull, like, I just pull it out basically because it's dead. The nail bed's dead and basically it like kind of just flops off and I just literally pluck off my fingernail off my finger. Um, and then, and then just hope that a new one grows back. <laughs> I wish we could find some way of like, properly describing the facial expressions that Val's showing right now as you describe it. <laughs> I'm really glad we're recording yeah, it yeah. in the morning and I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gnarly. It's really gnarly. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, infections. I had a big old infection in my ankle after after I broke that the first time and uh, it was not good. Not good. At the ankle size of a tennis ball. It was... <sighs> Yeah, it's been a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries, and from from a young age, to be honest, you know, really from you know fourteen, fifteen, so hasn't stopped since then. But anyway, that's what it is. That's the life of the rider. You said that there was one of them, the the leg break that you thought you weren't coming back from. Yeah, it was it was that serious. Yeah, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, so that was in motocross training, and uh, that was both legs at the same Ooh. time, and. Uh, my left leg was an open fracture. So it was, you know, the tibia was sticking out of the skin. Um, and that was a fibula as well. So, and then the right ankle, basically the, the ankle went up and exploded the tibia um, at the bottom into like six or seven pieces and also the fibula. Um, that's all in one crash. Um, and I also hit my head really hard. Like I went into like a seizure and everything. Um, yeah, I was bad. I was really bad. Like I was a week where I didn't even know where the hell I was, you know? Um, yeah, I was, they had me overdosed on morphine as well. Cause it was just in crazy pain. It was not good, not good. And, uh, it was right when I just was starting to go okay with the Mistral and, uh, was just about to start the European rounds. And, and in the end, uh, I did that in a training accident and I didn't have a contract. Nobody wanted me and it was not good. It was not, not a good moment, not a good time. And basically the doctor said, you know, three months before you can even, you know, tr think about a motorbike and two months in without walking in a wheelchair. And, uh, yeah, I think after getting home, I kind of just, you know, picked myself up off, off the ground and just started doing rehab and trying to get back as fast as possible. And I think one month later I was on a CBR in Califat riding. And I think after two weeks, Two and a half weeks, I was waddling around a little bit on my feet, but yeah, not not in not not very good in, in a lot of pain. But yeah, five weeks, I, I at five weeks I got back to to racing in Montmelo, and I even scored a point on the Mistral. So that was one of the hardest races of my life for sure because I hadn't done anything. I'd just been sitting on the couch doing a bit of physio. Um, I hadn't been able to train, and it was hot. And I managed to finish the race, even fifteenth, and. I got back to the box and threw up because I still had so much drugs in my system, basically from from uh, from the hospital. Because you know they just they pumped so much painkillers into me um, that yeah, I was just like feeling sick and nauseous all the time. So, but yeah, um, I was blowing blood out of my head as well for like two weeks, um, like out of my nose because I had like hemorrhaging up there, which was not good after smacking my head so hard. So it was not good. It was not good and. Don't know, managed to come back somehow, but <laughs> yeah, it was it was lucky. But yeah, um, unfortunately, my legs are not 
not the greatest anymore. <laughs> and, and you had to race as soon as possible because your career was on the line, right? So exactly. you, you didn't have the luxury of sticking around for two or three months if you could go earlier. Exactly. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I could just, you know, get better, you yeah. know, keep calm and just, you know, do it, you know, step by step. No, no, I had to get back on the bike and try and get any result that I could just so I could try and maybe secure a ride for, for 2019. And, uh, and luckily I did, I managed to get with, with Edu and it was stop and go and, and, you know, the rest is history. And, you know, there's been like, thinking of Mark Marquez in particular, there's been so much criticism yep. of him for coming back so soon after breaking his arm. And But I think people miss that you guys don't have a choice. That's, that is a huge part of the job because the contracts are short and the careers are short and yep. time is limited. Yeah, I mean, that's, you just said it yourself. Contracts are short and uh, you miss one race, two races, championship is pretty much gone. So we have to be get, we have to be back on the bike doesn't matter in what state it's pick yourself up and plot yourself on the bike and and go out there and race and uh yeah it's it's intense and it's takes a toll on the body i'm telling you so anyway <laughs> is what it is that's uh that's racing and you know just got to be a man about it i guess right <laughs> well it's just just got to be just got to be you man and do do what you're ready to do exactly Which, yeah uh, Remy, thank you so much for your time. That was no that, was, that was very, very insightful. Uh, those last uh, twenty minutes made me uh, shudder repeatedly. <laughs> but it was that's it was good. Really, that's, it's emotional broadcasting, Val. That's that's the secret. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really worth hearing in Nelly, and it's worth more people knowing because I think there's a good chance that many people who watch MotoGP don't quite realize that. Yeah. Like this, as the same with other sports, like with the American football, they don't realize how how many hits the head takes and the exactly CD and all that. And for exactly. you guys, I think for you guys, I think it's the same. No, exactly, exactly. Thank you very much. Uh, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully you stay healthy and quick, yeah. but honestly, yep. more importantly, healthy over the second half of the season. Yeah, and quick, and quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and quick. Hopefully you, you you win it all while staying healthy. Exactly, that's the idea. And and perhaps even more importantly, make sure that you have a nice uh, five weeks off because I think everybody no, in the paddock exactly. needs it. Oh, we do, we do. It's uh, it's nice. I'm I'm, do, I'm not doing anything this week. I've just been wrenching on cars, hanging out with a dog, just relaxing. So I'm about to go play golf. So <laughs> it's a nice nice break. Thank you again for your time, Remy. Enjoy the golf. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, what a great insight from Remy about what it's like riding injured in particular. I mean, such a such a huge insight. Surely, Val, that was the the part of the podcast that stood out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I spent that whole bit of the of the interview genuinely squeaming and wincing and making making all kinds of faces that maybe looked exaggerated to to my co-host, but we're not. Uh, it was I mean, just, just genuinely it's you know you you hear every week a report of you know so and so fractured his arm fractured his elbow fractured his collarbone fractured his leg whatever and it's you know it's easy to get desensitized uh, this this desensitized wow so desensitized i can't speak it's easy to get desensitized to to that kind of thing but obviously you know remy's description of how much how through the wars he's been, really. Um, obviously for his love of writing, but also for our entertainment. There's maybe, like the more I think about it, there's obviously, it feels wrong even to to be like loudly wincing about it and, you know, presenting it because it feels like it's part of the game in, in motorcycle riding and it's a hard one for me to reconcile because not sure anybody should be going through that pain because of the career choice they chosen while they were very, very young. But certainly the very least, well, the, the point that Remy has made is important is that these guys deserve representation and protection in terms of their career choice, in terms of their earnings, in terms of their job security, how how important all of that is. And if, if the, their status alone as our entertainers isn't enough of that, then hearing how much of their health they put on the line and what they risk going forward 
how the rest of their life will be conditioned by their time spent as motorcycle riders. I think that's really, really, just really important. And, and it was really important to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Because that's the thing, Simon, when we're at the racetrack, you just don't have 20 minutes to talk to them uh, in such an in-depth way. So you say, oh, well, you've, you've got your collarbone, you've got an injury, you've got your carpal tunnel. Is it all right? Yeah, it's on the way. It might be a 30-second, 60-second chat, but never like that. No, that's it. And I think it's even worse for people sitting at home watching because basically their entire perceptions of these guys are formed by the few seconds of them they see on, on TV every weekend, which is probably even more the case with someone like Rami, who's at the back end of the grid. Um, and, and as journalists, we do get a chance to spend a fair bit of time with them. We probably spend, you know, 30 or 45 minutes with, with most riders most weekends over the course of their media appearances and stuff. But it's rare that you get a chance to sit down for an hour with one rider and just throw questions at them for that long. Um, so a huge thanks to Remy for doing it. But also it, it, it delivered something special as a result. It gave us insight that you don't get over the course of a race weekend or even over the course of a normal sit-down interview to have to have him, to have Val and I both throwing questions at him and, and coming at it from different perspectives and different angles throughout. And I think it paid off. What was the one thing that caught your ear? The stuff that, that was maybe most surprising from Remy was how aware he is that the injuries he's suffering now are going to affect him for the rest of his life, not the rest of his career. You know, to hear someone in their 20s talking about how they know they're going to need physiotherapy for the rest of their lives and how, as a result of that, he's one of the people now who's pushing for a writer's union to come in to have better representation for, for all of these guys. That was probably the, the standout stuff to me, I think. It's not easy, as you say. It looks all glamorous on television with all the sunshine and the umbrella girls and the grid and the money and the motorhomes and the Ferraris and whatever, but it's brutal, you know. Remember what Barry Sheen had to do. He had to go and live in Australia to, to get away from the cold, winter, wet mornings in the UK because of those acts, those, those injuries that he had. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's real life, that. That's real life. And um, it'll be the same for many others. And they probably don't say as much. I mean, what was the what was the article that was in Spain? Uh, and it had, a, it had a picture of Danny Pedrosa just stood there in these leathers and it had arrows as to every single injury that he had. It was 27 broken bones or something or other. You know, <laughs> they don't just get paid to race. That's, that's the other thing. Uh, Next week, we've got another listener special podcast. We've already got lots of questions, but maybe yours will still make the cut too, as we're wanting to hear your questions about the world of MotoGP. You can voice record them and then email those voice recordings, messages, call them what you will, to podcasts at the-race.com. Podcasts at the-race.com. That's the email to send your messages to. We've had questions from South America, Australia, Asia, uh, Canada, uh, America, UK, Spain, Italy, everywhere. So uh, where in the world are you listening from? Uh, Simon, Val, thank you so much for the chat with Remy. Remy, uh, thank you. That's the main thing as well. Thank you for downloading our chat. Enjoy the summer break. and We will speak to you next week with our listener special. Goodbye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>